As you know, the ultimate warrior. Fuck it. It's publicly stated that. Damn it, who put that up? Is that $200 an hour? What up, what up, everybody? This is Double G for the Fight Game Podcast. Happy New Year. John, what's up? Happy New Year, man. Happy New Year to all the listeners of, of the Fight Game Blog Podcast, man. Excited for a fun 2019, hopefully. <laughs> I I mean, with all the stuff that has already happened, like it's probably going to be one of the more uh, newsworthy years that we're that we're going to have. Yeah, definitely. It's definitely going to be. It's already getting wild, and it's only January second. <laughs> so, a lot to come. A lot to come soon with the big rally and everything coming up in Jacksonville, Florida. So, yeah, lots to talk about tonight. We'll definitely get to that. Um, you're 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 using your headset again, so it so it made its comeback for week two. Make sure uh, make sure you pull that microphone so we can hear you a little bit more clear. Okay, can you hear me now? Yeah, I, I mean I can hear you. I just want you to be loud. Okay, sure. All right. So, <clears throat> I think the the first thing we need to talk about is, um, you, you know, I I played the clip to start this show of uh, Mean Gene uh, at SummerSlam with Rick Rude as the sign drops behind him. <laughs> the, the, the very famous moment where, uh, where he kind of goes nuts on, on, uh, on live pay-per-view. Um, you know, he passed away today at the age of 76, and we are at a stage in our life where people who we grew up watching, you know, especially not only in wrestling and everything, right? You know, it's, it's, we're starting to see folks, you know, in their 70s and 80s pass away, celebrities. And, uh, you know, I I have a hard time when people who have, like, lived such a great life, you know, I, I'm, I'm assuming. But you lived a long life. So, you know, Gene lived to 76. I have a hard time, like, feeling super sad about it because I just think, like, man, you know, what a life that guy lived, especially in wrestling. Like, he lived in an era where the announcer was just as big of a part of the territory as the wrestlers were, right? Like, imagine that today. Like, no one, you know, Michael Cole's been with WWE for a long time, and I'm sure, you know, if you see Michael Cole at an airport, you're like, oh, it's Michael Cole. But he's not as famous as, you know, to the fans as Seth Rollins. Like, fans don't care about Michael Cole like they do about Seth Rollins. Um, so, you know, it, it's, it's definitely a, a different time for, for Gene and, you know, so much to the point of where one of my favorite stories is because as a kid, you remember, you, I mean, you, you remember getting those old Hulkamania tapes and stuff and you'd get to see stuff that, you know, you probably didn't get to see live. I, I know I didn't, but it was, um, the one that <clears throat> I clearly remember is, uh, Hogan and Gene tag teaming against uh it was george Steele and mr fuji <laughs> and so i didn't really understand why like i didn't know if there was like a long angle around it like why is gene you know why is gene smoking cigars when hogan wants him to drink this protein milkshake 
And, and, and so, you know, they're building this thing up. And then later you realize that Vince is using Gene as a draw to run AWA's territory. And it's like, wow, like, you know, imagine using an announcer to uh, as as a draw for a, for a live crowd like you would never see that today. Yeah, I remember that. I remember that match. And I remember being like, even as a kid, I thought it was kind of goofy, you know, seeing Gene out there posing with Hulk Hogan. I mean, it was funny, you know, but, uh, you know, Gene, mean Gene, not only like a lot of people don't realize this, but like not only famous for, you know, the WWF run. And then, and also, you know, continuing on with WCW, with the Nitro era. But he was really big in the AWA. Like, people don't realize how much an iconic. He was one of the big steals of Vince McMahon early on during the expansion. So um, he's a, definitely a, a, a true, true legend. And a lot of people, in fact, a lot of people today definitely his passing. Because, you know, we all grew up with him, right? We all grew up with him talking. He was so good in those interviews, playing off the talent. Um, adding his own flair to it, but he like did it enough for like he didn't really take away from the performer. He just added to the whole presentation, um, and he continued on with that WCW. I did not like what Vince Russo did with him. I don't know if you remember this. You probably stopped watching at this point, but I was just you know creature of habit. I continued to watch WCW during the, the whole downfall. But they made him like the grumpy old ringing uh, interviewer where he didn't like anything and he would kind of cuss and fuss and it was just it was bad but um you know we got to see me and gene at the cauliflower you and i walking around um you know during that the the autograph session booths area the little museum they have so it was cool seeing me and gene there i mean i didn't talk to him but it was just kind of cool to see him there and you know and talking to his fellow uh you know fellow people he you know in the business with and you know like i said like you're right you, you can't be sad just be like you know, he lived a long life. He got to travel the world. He worked with some great people. I mean, he's he's famous. Like, I mean, even people at my work who really don't follow wrestling, but remember that era of like, the 80s WWF, you know? Man, Mean Gene died, you know? Because they remember Hulk Hogan and Mean Gene. On, yeah, so, you know, you know, rest in peace. And uh, definitely condolences to all his uh, his family and friends and fans. Yeah, I think WWE will treat this one properly because he was such a big part of, you know, everyone's childhood as much as as Hogan was. I mean, they're, they're sort of synonymous together, right? I mean, Ho- Hogan's entire beginning of his catchphrase had Mean Gene's name in it. Yeah. Um, and, and so, yeah, it, it's a big one. And, you know, again, I don't want to hammer this but, you know, again, like when I heard that he passed away, one, I was a little surprised because we like you said, we just saw him and he looked OK. Um, you know, I would say he probably looked a, l- a little older than 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 I than I realized. But, you know, he's living a hard and fast life. You know, he's he's you know he's a superstar out there, you know, going town to town and smoking cigars and drinking whiskey and doing all that stuff. But. When I started to think about it, I was like, wow, you know, what a, what a legend from, uh, you know, you don't see that. It's it's rare. You know, there are some announcers, you know, you can think of like Michael Buffer or um, Jimmy, Jimmy Lennon Jr. And guys like that who are pretty famous when it comes to just their craft. 
But I mean, Mean Gene was in a cartoon for God's sakes, right? <laughs> like, like that's another level. He had a wrestling figure, you know, and so that that's just a different level of of celebrity uh, from that from that time. But uh, yeah, you know that it, it was it, it was a little bit sad just to realize. But you know, when you when I started to think about, it, I was like, man, you know, this guy was like kind of like a rock star in, in comparison to other announcers that that you could even think about. You know, maybe you know, maybe Vin Scully and, and guys like that in, in a bigger sport like baseball are, are, are more noteworthy or more famous, but you know, Gene's gotta be up there. Like when it comes to that. So, um, yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of a little sad, but still, I was just so happy to, to think about, you know, what, what he became and who he was and how memorable he was, because like you said, you know, you use that, you, you use that litmus test of, of people at work or whatever, because that sort of shows you whether something's hot with casuals. And I'm sure most of those people know exactly who Mean Gene is. Yeah, it was uh, definitely people come up with me today, which is, you know, nowadays, like no one really very rarely comes up to me about wrestling at work unless it's unless it's something like like the the last thing anyone's come up to me about was was Ronda at WrestleMania. So, yeah. So. Uh, wanted to get that part out of the way because I thought it was really important to to talk about Gene first um, because you know I, I wanted to also do a little bit of a state of the podcast address. It is a new year. It is now 2019. We're recording this late January 2nd, and you know we've been doing I don't know how many episodes you and I have recorded probably like 25 episodes together. Uh, and, and, you know, it's given me an opportunity to kind of analyze, okay, like, you know, what's good, what could we improve on? What are some things that we may want to do down the line? And, uh, and so I just kind of wanted to state some of the things that, that we are going to do in 2019. And the first thing we're going to do is very similar to how other podcasts look at an era or a weekly thing, you know, when the WWE network came out, one of the things I wanted to do was I wanted to follow a promotion week to week with weekly television. And it's a little bit hard to do some of the old stuff because I know WWE doesn't put everything up and they, you know, if we wanted to do world championship wrestling, um, there are gaps in the coverage. And so I was like, well, what what do they have up there that we that that no doubt we have every episode to to talk about? And it's Monday Night Raw, right? So, you know, we don't need to talk about Monday Night Raw in 2019 as much, though, you know, we will when when there when stuff happens, especially come WrestleMania time. But Raw from 93 is is a pretty historic time and a pretty historic show. And we're going to start next week and we'll cover Raw from the very first episode and on. And, you know, the other thing that we have access to is we have all the observers from 90, you know, 93. And, you know, Dave covered that show weekly, you know, just like he does now. And so you have all of the the buildup and all the stuff that's going on and, you know they're they're telling you that it's that it's live and then like by week three it's already taped because they're touring on the west coast um and so we're, we're gonna talk about monday night raw um when i when i suggested it you were immediately like yes yokozuna <laughs> i know it's funny because 93 is an interesting time because you know we're 
I was young, so to me, like, wrestling down or up didn't matter to me. I just loved everything about wrestling, so I was watching everything. But I just remember that era of the big change. I think it's, it's kind of a cool era show to start with because the big change between Hogan to Brett um, to the smaller guys, his new talent coming in. And it'd be fun to talk about Yokozuna because Yokozuna, I remember him because I used to watch everything, like I said. And I used to watch AWA when it was dying. And I remember Coquina Maximus and this big, huge man just, you know, so fast. And then all of a sudden, like, he shows up WWF and, like, in the 92. I'm like, that's Coquina Maximus from AWA. <laughs> and he's even bigger now. And then, like, all of a sudden, he wins the belt. And I'm like, Whoa! I didn't see that one coming, and then you know Yoko's one of my one of my favorites of that era because I just you know I always liked the big man that can move, and I just like like his work. So I'm super excited to rewatch a lot of his work because uh, he was definitely was uh, one of my favorites in the WWE around this time. So that's what we're gonna do starting next week, and we'll cover it weekly. And and the cool thing about it is because we decided to do it. At the beginning of the year, we will be mirroring, um, you know, I, so how, how, how long ago is, uh, is that? So what is it, 26 years to exactly? So, so we'll be 26 years, you know, exactly to the date uh, of the weekly shows. And, you know, we have tons of perspective, so it'll be really fun to go back. And like I said, we'll have the observers and, you know, Dave's reporting stuff in there and we can sort of tell the stories going around that time and, It'll like I haven't watched. I, I'm not a rewatcher when it comes to that stuff, so I've only watched stuff that I missed. So I missed a lot of '97, mostly because I was in in college. But so I've rewatched a lot of '97, the stuff that I I missed. But uh, I haven't I haven't really watched, you know, <laughs> 1993 Raw except for watching it the first time. And I'm sure I missed a lot of stuff too. But do you remember? primetime wrestling transitioning to raw uh, i do i just don't remember the last episode i really wish i could have watched it i know they don't have it up yet because they they ended they're ending right now they're, they haven't put anything up since like summer of 1989 which i'm waiting for in the end 1989 because you know that's one of my favorite years and, and favorite years of primetime so um i just remember like started promoting this show raw and just being like what's this like where's my prime time and then i did like the new look of raw i like the smaller studio that that um you know the, the what was it called the um jeez gosh i'm having a i'm losing it right now where they filmed the first episode of raw the manhattan center the manhattan center thank, thank you yeah i mean i remember liking the look of it and it felt i i enjoyed that but like i was getting used to you know that comedian they hired as a color commentator <laughs> and all that was kind of funky but uh but over time i enjoyed it but then all of a sudden they got out of that place and then they started doing like little smaller arenas and even small you know just as small but like little college arenas and and stuff so yeah i'm sure we'll, we'll cover all that as the weeks go on but you know it's i definitely miss prime time and i just one of those favorite was one of the shows that i enjoyed to kind of just click on and rewatch. Because, uh, you know, you got the great Grill Monsoon and Bobby Heenan play, playing off each other. And you kind of lose that with Raw 
But then later on, you know, it's, it's such a legendary show. And so one of the storylines going into Raw was the fact that Bobby Heenan wasn't allowed to do it. I always thought that was a like not a good thing because I loved Heenan so much because him, I mean, him and Gorilla are the heart and soul uh, of primetime, right? Like the matches didn't matter as much because you're mostly getting taped matches from like Toronto and, and all these places, all you know, but they kept the show going as like a, a two, a two man, you know, buddy, uh, buddy show. And when, you know, when they're like basically saying, Oh, you know, <clears throat> Bobby, you can't, you can't be on the show. It's like, oh man, like why not? Like Bobby's great. So I, I do I do remember that as part of the part of the storyline going into that show. Um and and I mean for the <clears throat> for the folks who, you know, who aren't as old as us and who didn't really see that stuff live, you're talking about a huge transition in television. Because, you know, primetime wrestling, you know, you're having, you you know, Gorilla and Bobby. I don't, do you remember where they even filmed that? Was It was it was in Stanford, I'm guessing, right? A studio in Stanford? I'm, yeah, I'm guessing it was in Stanford, <clears throat> Connecticut, when uh, they did primetime. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just like, assuming that Vince, when they transitioned to the new TV shows, like, we need to do something completely different. Yeah. Why they hired that. That jack off. <laughs> I forget his name. I will, you know, on the next week when I watch so. I mean, he only lasted, I don't think, what, like four or five weeks. But, like, you know, they, they were trying to do something different. They had Macho Man out there doing play play. And, like I said, a new venue, new look. I mean, they just, I mean, they did some cool stuff. But I think Bobby, leaving Bobby out was, was a bad call, definitely. How, how soon was he actually gone from WWE? Well, he didn't leave until uh, end of '93, right? So yeah. I think that's when Gorilla Monsoon kicked him out and stuff, and threw his bag out, and that was. I mean, I'm watching that, and I remember thinking like, "Oh, he'll be back." You know, <laughs> I didn't realize he was getting written off, and then showing up in WCW. You know, but uh, what an what an all time character, Bobby Heenan. And a lot of people don't like you're talking about me and Jay Noka earlier. Like everyone talks about me and Gene. I mean, about Bobby Heenan and Gorilla Monsoon, but. The interaction scene, Mean Gene and Bobby Heenan too, man. Fantastic stuff. Really, mm-hmm. really funny stuff. So. Absolutely. Uh, the guy that you're trying, you were trying to remember is uh, Rob Bartlett. Bartlett. Oh gosh. I mean, I you just, know, you know who he was. He was literally just like a New York comedian. You know, who he would do uh, radio hits for for like Don Imus and stuff like that. So he had a uh, he he had sort of a following in the New York area and obviously the Manhattan centers were, you know, where they were filming raw. So I think they wanted that sort of like street, like, again, you know, just like you said, Vince wanted something completely different, right? He wanted well, to little, kind of, he's supposed to be the adult part of it, right? Like say stuff off cuff, say stuff off color, maybe the shot, but like what he said, wasn't like that. It was just stupid. And like, as we'll, we'll see when we watch it, like all the jokes that he says, are just going to fall flat i don't i i you know i don't remember i mean as soon as i mean the good riddance he didn't last long enough they and they found i think then that's when bobby kind of showed back up right yeah something like that and they kind of would just kind of bring different people in but macho it was macho and vince for a very long time right that's what the, i remember you know vince gets a lot of flack uh but you know he also gets a lot of credit and and you know i i'm not a vince hater at all like i think he's done some tremendous things and 
you know, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how you can, (coughs) excuse me, measure like genius or whatever, but Monday night football kind of did something similar. Uh, several years later, it was, you know, it's probably like six years later. Do you remember when they brought Dennis Miller into the Monday night football? Oh yeah. I remember that. I remember that. And I'm thinking like Dennis Miller's doing football. Yeah. So, uh, you know, Vince's idea was probably a little bit ahead of his time, but um, you know, he's probably the Rob Bartlett's probably the wrong guy that I'm sure you could have brought in. Cause the problem with Bartlett is he didn't seem like a wrestling guy, right? He just seemed like a yeah. talking head in a sense. So, you know, and the, the other thing about, you know, that I kind of want to go back to that point of, of Heenan and, uh, and Monsoon, but you're, you're talking about a complete change in the way that television was done, right? Like everything, was shot live to tape studio um you know even even uh world championship wrestling i don't remember the exact schedule but you know early in the days you know they would shoot it in the morning right and then they'd have it produced for three or for 605 um and so you know you're talking about the comfort zone of taping everything and sometimes like weeks and weeks and weeks in advance and just having Vince and, and Jesse and then Vince and Bobby, you know, voice over the stuff uh, later. But now you're talking about like flying without a net, like going live and all the things that could possibly happen on a TV show. And Vince, like this is what surprises me when I think about it is I know why Vince is announcing because he wants to make sure that, you know, that he leads everything in the way that it goes. But can you imagine, like, he probably wanted to be in, like, four or five different places at the same time. Oh, yeah, definitely. His, that's the way he works. He wants to control everything. But, you know, I think Vince, you know, like you said, wanted to be leading it. And two, hey, I think he wanted to be back in the forefront of stuff. You know what I mean? Like, this is a new show, It's and, and he, he wanted to be part of that. And, and, you know, for and I think it was a I think it was a good move having Vince out there. I still would have loved to have Bobby and, and Gorilla out there with him. You know, I think that would have been great. Yeah. So that'll be part of the new, uh, part of the 2019 version of this show. We're going to still talk about older matches and, and stories. Uh, we'll talk about one later in this show that is from uh, January of 1991. Uh, and, you know, we're, the thing that I think is going to be most interesting for us is because of AEW, because of ROH, because of NXT, we have a unique perspective because of who we know and, you know, who our friends are that and, and plus, you know, you're still in the, you know, you're still in the mix, right? Like you're still booking for APW and, and, and creating stuff and setting things up. And so I think we have a unique perspective when it comes to this, you know, this new sort of business of, of, of the indies and, and what's going to happen and, and where talent is going. Um, and, and I think we're going to bring that to this show and I think it's going to be fresh and I think it's going to be a perspective that, you know, most of these blogs don't have, they're just, you know, repeating information and they, they don't, they're not really close enough to it to have, uh, to, to have an understanding of what's really going on. And, you know, we will do that. So I think that's going to be really good for 2019. 
Um, and look, we'll still talk about new stuff, right? Like we're it, the 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 business is evolving. We're still going to talk about UFC. The UFC in 2019 on ESPN and ESPN Plus is going to be a huge story. Boxing is also, you know, with the TV deals and with Showtime and and Fox and ESPN Plus as well. Like top rank boxing is a big piece of ESPN Plus alongside UFC. If you are a combat sports fan, if you're a boxing and an MMA fan, I mean, uh, boxing and an MMA fan, sorry, ESPN Plus is a tremendous bargain as a streaming service because it's still only six bucks. So we'll have all, we'll, we'll be talking about all of those things. I think the thing that we probably won't do as much of is like reviewing what happened over the weekend, right? Like we, we both saw John Jones beat Alexander Gustafson. UFC 232 was a really fun show, but it's also like four or five days old. And so there's not, unless there's sort of like a fresh perspective or a, or, or something uh, news related that, that we can kind of bring back into the mix. I don't really see us talking about stuff that that's sort of uh, old uh, as it happened. You know, what I would like to do is do more one-offs of our of our weekly shows you know to review something that that's really cool that happened but that's going to be dictated by our schedule you know we both are super busy and this is a a, a hobby of ours it's a, it's a passion of ours but you know we also have other stuff to do in real life so there won't be uh you know we won't be able to do that all the time but that's something that we did as sort of as a test with uh the evolution pay-per-view remember we we saw the wwe evolution and then we did a show right after it to kind of see like okay like do people are people interested in sort of our post you know <clears throat> post uh post takes of a show and and that that show seemed to be fairly popular so it's stuff that we could do again but i just don't i, I just don't think we're gonna sit here and review shows that are like four and five days old based on on when we record and um you know the other thing is we have a segment that is all about sort of your unique tastes when it comes to wrestling. Uh, and, you know, we can we will definitely do that from time to time, but we probably won't do it weekly, especially if we're going to be reviewing Raw, because, you know, that's going to take some of the of your time, you know, watching stuff. So we'll, we'll bring back the what's John watching uh, for, you know, for something, you know, maybe maybe like slower weeks where that where it's not super, super newsworthy. Um, and, and we'll make that sort of a little bit more special than, than, than a weekly thing. And then look, I mean, I think we're going to have access to, you know, some fun guests at, at, at points in time. Um, the, uh, the thing that the time that I'm thinking about is, you know, come WrestleMania weekend, you know, we're going to be rooming with, uh, with, uh, you know, Dave Dutra, who may work a date that weekend, as well as just hanging out. And he's got a unique perspective of what's going on in, in the indie world today. I think, you know, J.R. JR Kratos is also going to be uh, going to be around that weekend. And, and you know, I think he, he may be working a show, too. So we'll have like those types of perspectives Um and and you know I'm sure I keep sort of teasing that will that will bring Big Dave on here one of these days and and that 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 will still be a possibility but yeah that's just kind of how I see where the podcast is going um, for uh, for 2019 and uh, I'm looking forward to it and we're gonna kind of you know we're gonna kind of just uh, have fun with it and and try to make sure that that 
you know, we're doing stuff that we feel is creative and, and thought provoking and, and just fun. We're just trying to make it fun. Yeah, definitely, man. Looking forward to it. And, you know, when the what's John's watching segment, if there's a match that I think we need to talk about or let people know about, we'll jump in. But I'm, I'm, I'm excited about watching Raw of 1993 and starting that whole. Cause I like, I'm, I mean, I, I'm a guy that likes to go back and watch a lot of old stuff, not just with the current stuff. So um, it's gonna it's gonna be a really fun project for me. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Okay, so bunch of stuff to talk about, but I want to talk about this first because you reached out to me and you were like, "Hey, I think we should kind of do a thing where <clears throat> one week uh, a month we look at a an old match from you know that specific month." And it's, excuse me, I don't know why my, my throat is so, uh, I have to clear it a bunch of times, but I, uh, I love looking at old matches and and looking at sort of the historical context and cause you could sort of armchair quarterback and you know, what worked and what didn't. And you said that you wanted to watch of all (laughs) matches, Sergeant Slaughter versus the ultimate warrior at Royal Rumble 1991, which was January 19th, 1991. So why did you pick that match, and you know what what did you, what made you sort of look forward to rewatching it? Oh, uh, well, I was trying to think of something from January, and I don't know why, because we just covered Tuesday in Texas, and so WWF was on my mind. But I was thinking like something from WWF, and I was thinking I don't know something that Sergeant Slaughter versus Warrior match came to mind because I watched that about five or six years ago. And just and, I, and it with new, with new eyes basically yep. with what I know from my knowledge of wrestling and being around wrestling and what I've been taught. Like a match that I remember something really specific being really cool about it. End up really man, it was actually a, a really great performance by Sergeant Slaughter. So I thought it'd be fun to like, get your opinion on it and 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 talk about it because I re- when I rewatched it. I, just, just you know, just uh, just today, actually, I just watched the match this, this afternoon. I was still blown away by the whole angle and match and performance by Sergeant Slaughter. So it's in, and it would and it help you know back in my thoughts of how shocked I was when it happened too. The title change. All right, so let's let's go backwards a little bit because, and I want I kind of want to get your perspective on this because, so WrestleMania six. The Ultimate Warrior beats Hulk Hogan for the championship. And Hogan immediately steals the moment from him in only the way that Hulk Hogan can do so. And so, you know what it kind of reminded me of as as I thought back? Now, Hogan's going to do other stuff, right? He's not, you know, he's not necessarily losing the belt because his time is done. He's got other stuff going on. He's doing movies. I'm sure Vince is looking for the opportunity to, you know, to to bring in someone new, not necessarily to replace Hogan as like the main guy right away, but just sort of like he wants options. And and Hogan had been sort of the mainstay. And Vince, you know, has always had this issue with guys getting old and stuff. And so Hogan Hogan loses, Warrior wins, and then Hogan does the whole sympathetic thing and immediately steals the moment from Warrior. Now that you look back on it, do you think that moment just sort of 
Peter Warrior's momentum immediately for his title run? No, no, not at all. I think uh, what really hurt Warrior was that there was no opponents for him to work with, that to draw against. Um, you know, I think his first house show program right after that was with Mr. Perfect. And before the title, before Warrior won the belt, Hogan was beating Perfect around the loop, right? Mm-hmm. So I think to just know that, you know, then that, and that hurt Warrior's draw on the house show because Warrior didn't really draw that well as the people expected him to be. And it just, uh, it just can't, yes. Yeah, so when they put the belt back on Hogan, they went with that route. But yeah, I think, you know, the next, his next pay-per-view program was with Rick Rude, which you're, you know, you're playing off the fact that, Hey, he's, he's one of the few guys that beat the ultimate warrior. But then we already also, they always try to, we all try to forget that the warrior beat him handily in SummerSlam of 80, 89 with the, the intercontinental title back. So, you know, I think there's no strong, strong challenges for the Warrior. Uh, maybe it could have been Earthquake, but Earthquake was, you know, lined up to, you know, feud with Hogan when Hogan returned after, you know, they had Earthquake injure, quote-unquote, Hogan and take him out, which which uh, they came in. They had a great match at SummerSlam 90, for those who want to go back and rewatch that. It's definitely one of Hogan's best matches, definitely, in, the, in that era. So, yeah, I mean... I think that's. I think what just they just weren't ready. Kind of like with Sting. I mean, Sting won the belt, and they both they both had the same issue. Both won the belt in 1990. Both had weak opponents, and and it definitely affected their draw, drawing power. So what it reminded me of is, and and this this moment actually you know happens uh, a few years later, you know six years later or whatever. Is you remember when Shawn Michaels beats Bret Hart at WrestleMania 12? And he wins the championship. And Brett, Brett basically is about to take the summer off. <clears throat> and I remember reading in The Observer where Brett's basically like, you know what? I want to see him, like, good luck. Like, I want to see him be the guy and do it without me and, and see what happens. And it's almost like one of those things where, you know, you you you, you only – see the appreciation when you're gone. You know, it's like the old Jim Cornette line, how can I miss you if you never leave? And it's like um, the, the, uh, Jay-Z, <clears throat> when Jay-Z was going to retire, I mean, obviously, no, he didn't retire because he's still <laughs> recording. This is like 2004 or whatever, right? He's got this song called What More Can I Say? And he goes, and, and the last, like, last uh, part of his song is he goes, I'm supposed to be number one on everybody's list. We'll see what happens when I no longer exist. And it's like one of those moments where you're like, Hogan has been the guy and he's about to leave. And now it's Warriors Company. And he's like, I sort of see Hogan going like, you know what? It's a hard job. People probably take me for granted. Let's see this dude and let's see if he can do it. And, you know, it's a hard it's a hard position for Warrior to be in, too. Right. Because he's now has to carry a company where the top draw in the entire company isn't there anymore. So like if, if Hogan was still there and he was, you know, doing the, the other, the other, um, tours and still being like the second guy on the pay-per-view, I think warriors run would have been probably fairly successful, but for Hogan to bail out and not come back until SummerSlam, like that's part of the reason why Warriors Run wasn't as successful. 
But I think you have to have Hogan. Hogan had to be in. I know Hogan was doing stuff. He had movie projects, etc. But like, you have to have Hogan leave for a little bit to let Warrior, you know, survive on his own and see how he does without the without Hogan. Right? You have to have that happen. And Hogan's smart too. Hogan knows I'm gonna take some time off. I'm gonna do this big injury angle. When I come back, it'll be the biggest thing, and it'll be the biggest thing of that in the company at that time. And it was because if you remember. SummerSlam 1990, which is it's a really good show. The biggest match wasn't the last match, but the biggest match on that card was Hogan's return versus Earthquake. That's what really drew that crowd was Hogan's return. And, you know, Warrior was just, you know, the time Warrior got out there with Rick Rude in the cage, it was kind of like old news, you know? Like, you know, no one really, no one really cared. And the Warrior kind of just spun his wheels, and they finally decided to take the belt off him and go the route to give it right back to Hulk Hogan. Okay, so <clears throat> you made a great point, which is that SummerSlam, <clears throat> the, the, the main part of SummerSlam is Hogan's comeback from being attacked by Earthquake. Do you know, I didn't even realize this, and I just verified this, you know, with, uh, from, from Big Dave, who is, you know, who is miles and miles and miles away <laughs> in Japan. Uh, the buy rate? For SummerSlam, was almost identical to the buy rate of WrestleMania six, and it wasn't wow. because of uh, Warrior and Rude, right? <laughs> it's because of Hogan leaving and coming back. Exactly. So that was a that was a big angle. Like, like, and it, at the time, it was a big angle. I think people forget. You know, it's been a long time since that happened, but that was a big angle. If you look at the TVs leading up to that, it was the Hogan, talk about Hogan's recovery. Talk about all the cards and letters that came in for Hogan. Earthquake at the time was Canadian Earthquake. They quickly dropped that. Doing the promos, building up to this match, and it and it was uh, and it was a huge match that you know didn't even have a clean finish that ended up doing you know decent business on the house shows and the program that continued on even to the end of this Royal Rumble 1991. Like they finally sealed it up at the end of this. At the end of the Rumble match, when Hogan wins and eliminates eliminates Earthquake, so it was a long program that that drew money. And like, really, Earthquake like twenty something years old, like he was <laughs> really young. You know, it's, it's just a it's just a a very underrated program. Definitely, it's Hogan versus Earthquake. Okay, so <clears throat> remind me about this storyline. Um between warrior and savage that is sort of like coexisting while there's you know while while warrior is is uh is doing his other programs from what i remember like sherry and savage are trying to get a title shot Mm -hmm. and warrior just basically keeps saying no and then sherry's like trying to seduce the warrior and trying to give him some sex in order to get (laughs) the title shot and warriors like no like no way like that's not i, I almost it, it almost it almost made savage a little bit sympathetic to me a little, because you know he was it, it was actually the you know the champion turning him down but what like what was the reason you know what they that they had this thing kind of coexisting with the other storylines that were going on i'm not sure why he wouldn't give a title shot unless he didn't think Macho Man deserved it, even though he's one of the biggest stars of the time. 
But I love the setup of I love the setup of, of the World Rumble event where Macho Man's you know doing his usual craziness in the back with Sean Mooney and he's like, Sherry's gonna make it happen. Sherry's gonna do it. And of course, Sherry pulls out uh, Mean Gene right and uh, calls out the Warrior and me- Sherry's like. <laughs> Sherry is freaking awesome in this segment. She might, the she whole, might have been, she might have been the best worker in that whole match, <laughs> like the whole thing that they did with, with, with that we're going to talk about. No, I mean she was great in this interview. Um, uh, the way she set it up, her tone and her voice, how she she changed it from being like yelling and screaming, and Final Warrior comes out with a big old leather jacket on which i didn't really understand i thought you know it's funny because when i was young i thought like like why is he wearing this this bulky jacket i didn't realize it was just a sexual you know piece to for her to unzip his jacket and talk <laughs> about his pecs and take off his jacket and get our knees like i i remember watching this five, like six years ago and thinking like wow i didn't realize when she got on her knees what they were trying to imply right right, right. And at the time when I was a kid, I thought like she was just begging, <laughs> but you know, in the back they're probably enjoying the the hell of this little segment. Mm-hmm. And then I remember, I do remember Warrior like shaking and going no, <laughs> right. And it was just really cool. And it was just a cool little moment. Savage going crazy, knocking things out. Savage, I like how Savage like his that locker room when they were filming it was like on the other side of the arena, like far from the stage. So he had like jumped the guardrail. Right, and then run all the way up the entrance, and, and then grab Sherry, and and uh, he's just it's just it was just just awesome, really great little segment that was. So late in 1990, Slaughter comes back. He'd been gone for since like what 84? Pretty long time, yeah, definitely. And so he comes back, but he comes back as a heel. Uh, you know, they are really just taking advantage of, of the, uh, the, the Persian Gulf war here. Um, and he, like, I don't even remember how he got the title shot. Like, how did he even get the title shot for this Royal Rumble match? Who did he, did he win a match or did they just, they just threw I mean, him in there? A, I don't remember. They could have used the term, they could have used the, the, I don't think they ever used this excuse, but he was a sole survivor of his team, and and uh, at Survivor Series '90, so you could kind of say maybe earned it that way. Um, I remember when they announced it because you know they would announce each kind of give a few guys at a time during the update with Sean Mooney or Mean Gene, right? The WWF magazine would cover the Royal Rumble. They 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 list a few guys here and there, and I remember they listed and the Warrior versus Sergeant Slaughter, and I th- remember. When I got that info, it was not from WF TV, but for the commercial for pay-per-view yeah. here in San Jose. Yeah. And I'm like, Warrior and Slaughter? Oh, man, Warrior's going to destroy it. Yeah, right? <laughs> and and what uh, some, one thing I remember is post-WrestleMania VI, PW uh, Pro Wrestling Illustrated, on their back page has a little news thing that says Mm -hmm. Warrior and Hogan are going to rematch at WrestleMania 7. So I'm thinking the entire time that's going to be the Mania 7 match. So when it's Warrior Slaughter, I'm like, oh, this makes perfect sense. Like that he's not even really a threat to to Warrior. Like it's going to be Warrior and Hogan at WrestleMania 7. Though I've had this discussion with Big Dave several times and he said, 
That was not the plan. Warrior, Warrior and Hogan was not the plan for WrestleMania 7. So, you know, I, I don't know. Before they decided to take advantage of this Persian Gulf War, I don't know what the, what the match was going to be. But they, you know, they were trying to run the L.A. Coliseum. So they thought they had something big. And I guess they thought this war angle was going to be... Uh, was going to be it because you know they they booked that that la coliseum and mm-hmm. you know vince vince in the commercial on this show says there's going to be a hundred thousand fans there and soon thereafter i i don't remember how much longer but it has to be only like a couple weeks after this royal rumble match they change it to the um to the sports arena and you know they basically cut you know they 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 it cuts down from like a hundred thousand capacity to like mm-hmm. fifteen thousand capacity, and that's where they run the show. Wasn't the guys that it was a for uh, safety? Oh yeah, that, that's what they said. It was a fear of safety for uh, for slaughter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And even back then, I was. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure Big Dave was writing for the National at this point. I, I'm pretty sure. I, I'm actually sure, exactly sure that he was, because I remember reading his thing, and he was, and he's the one who who said that it was good that they were going to be moved out of the Coliseum. And I and I was like, yeah, because you know, if they're not doing Warrior Hogan, how are they going to sell tickets to this thing? Like that was just my sort of brain, you know, working. But he was like, you know, there's there's they 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 had no movement in 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 ticket sales, so they had to go to the to the uh, sports arena. And you know, it's funny how you bring up the national because I actually rewatched the opener because it's such a good match. Is the Rockers or Orient Express? And Roddy Piper mentions the national in the play by play. <laughs> Piper was kind of ridiculous all over this show. Um, yes, yes, he was hard to. He's definitely not my favorite color commentator. So, getting getting to the match, it's it's Slaughter and Warrior. Warrior comes out super hot. Um, he he Adnan uh, Adnan and and this is kind of like a little bit of foreshadowing, right? Adnan goes over the top rope and then he leaves the match. And you're like, huh, like what happened? Like, why did he leave? And the reason he's going to leave is because he's not really needed because the whole thing's going to be Sherry and Savage. So, I mean, the the Ultimate Warrior, uh, the character of the Ultimate Warrior, I always found to be sort of like dumb baby face at some times, at some points, because there's there's a moment in the match where, where Sherry... Uh, Sherry grabs his foot when he when he's uh, when he's doing his uh, his clotheslines and stuff, and then he decides to run after her, only for Savage to kind of be hiding and sneaks up on him and 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 uh, and, and jumps him and leaves him laying. And so, I, I want to ask you about this because I'm trying to understand the psychology, and I'm sure you thought about this when you watched it. Which is, so Warrior is outside. Does Savage want Warrior to... Obviously, he wants Warrior to lose the match, but why wouldn't mm-hmm. he want Warrior to win the match? Is it just because of the, being vengeful because Warrior would not give him the title match? So he's like, F this, like you're going to lose this belt? Because if they did the match at WrestleMania 7 and it's Warrior-Savage, just thinking, you know, trying to think logically, Savage would want a shot at the title, but it was just because he was never going to get it, so that's that's the vengefulness in him? Yeah, oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, he just snapped. He saw, he snapped after that interview, and he's going to get revenge. And this is how he got revenge was costing War the title. So, so Warrior is out taking the count, 
and this this has always bothered me about wrestling. <laughs> Earl Hepner um, is was it Earl or Dave? Earl. It's Earl. Okay, it's Earl. Earl Hepner is doing his count, and he gets to I don't know I don't remember what number he got to, and Slaughter interrupts him because Slaughter wants Warrior to be in the ring, so he has a shot to win the match. And then when he gets interrupted, he starts the count over at one again. Like, this has always <laughs> bothered me about wrestling. So yeah, any- yeah, breaking the count, yep. Yeah. So anyway, instead of going out and throwing Warrior in the ring, because I think that would sort of make him kind of like a little bit of a baby face to want to win the title so badly. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just thinking sort of that's why he did it. Anyway, Warrior's like crawling back into the ring, and, and then Slaughter finally grabs him when he gets close and throws him in the ring. And then we do this long sell job of Warrior in a bear hug and in a camel clutch. And, and, and Piper's just going like, why didn't Slaughter just let him get counted out? I'm like, Roddy, like, don't be so dumb. Like, why are you acting like this? Yeah, like, settle down there, Rod. I'm like, of course. But, but then again, you know, Roddy comes from a time where, where the road warriors would always do this, right? The road warriors would, would win by disqualification and then they'd be sad because they didn't win the, the titles. And it's like, you guys have been wrestling for how many years and you still don't know the rules. Like a lot, you, we got a lot of that in, in the late eighties and early nineties. But, um, so, you know, we kind of have to sit through these long, these long cells and, you know, warriors in the camel clutch and Hepner doesn't see that his feet are clearly underneath the rope. So, he slaughter finally breaks it and thinks he's won and Hepner's like, Nope, his feet were under the ropes. And so then, it, you know, kind of sets up the comeback a little bit. But, um, so that's when, you know, Savage and, and Sherry, uh, Sh- Sherry especially comes back and, uh, and that sets up the finish, which I can live with this match because I don't, I don't think the match is, is all that good. But the finish is so fantastic, except for one thing. I have one issue with the finish that it sort of makes up for it. And like you talked about Slaughter earlier, and I'll let you kind of talk about the performance. But this poor guy has to take these stiff as hell like body blocks from Warrior and just get dropped to the mat like a ton of bricks. I was, I'm thinking like, first of all, this dude's not like thin. Like he's he's probably you know I don't know what he would be at. He's probably like. 270 or something he's he seems big and warriors just like body blocking him and he just goes down like a sack of potatoes i'm like this poor guy is uh is hitting this mat pretty hard but go ahead and talk <laughs> go ahead and talk about the slaughter performance well i think his, his performance is pretty awesome because you know, let's be honest the warrior the warrior very limited uh you have to definitely work around his strengths and that's what every good worker should do obviously you know, but like Warrior comes in like a house of fire. Slaughter's man, he's making his stuff look good. He's taking all his traditional big bumps. I mean, he did the big over the top rope, you know, to the floor bump. I mean, I had his size taking that bump. Ooh, that must have been rough. The big backdrop, which was awesome. Um, I just thought in the, this beginning of this, I just what I love about this match is the beginning is Slaughter's performance of just flying all around the ring for the Warrior. I thought that was my it was definitely my favorite part of the match. And my second favorite part of the match is that spot where the warrior chases Sherry to the back. And like he you know, before he chases Sherry to the back, he has his match in hand, right? He's yep. destroying slaughter. 
So he can take a, you know, he takes his chance now and go get this Nat Cherry, <laughs> toss her to the side and just get rid of her, right, once and for all. Of course, he goes down there and, and it's, a, it's a sneak attack by Savage, one of the best sneak attacks in wrestling history, right? I mean, he, I remember seeing this, and I, remember I did not see him coming, right? Because he's, like, in the dark, comes in with that big clothesline, throws to the side to the other guardrail so the referee can't see, right, behind that guardrail. And then Savage comes flying through like a wild man with that light, right? It just that, that, that light stand and just, boom, nails him. And I know what you're saying about, you know, Warrior. Why, why didn't Slaughter just take the count out? Well, of course, he wants to keep the belt. Yep. He wants to win the belt. And also they want that dramatic visual uh, of Warrior shooting from the backside of him crawling to, you know, continue the match because what a, what a champion, right? He just gives up. He wants to go in there and finish what he started and retain the title. So, yeah, there's a there's a long bear hug spot. There's that weird – I know that camel clutch spot is very weird. Like, I mean, he's clearly like <laughs> – like, like why is it a ref- – and it's, it's one of those funky things about wrestling that you just kind of have to like kind of like either either make a big deal about it or just kind of just let it go. But like, like – yeah, you, wouldn't you run away, check if the guy's under the ropes during his camera <laughs> before he applied it or, you know. And then the spot with the bear hug was funny because uh, if you remember, like, Slaughter holds his hands up in the double axe handle position. Yeah, and, and Piper's and he, screaming at Warrior to turn around. <laughs> and he's, like, turn waiting around. For, he's waiting for Warrior to turn around so he can, like, deliver a blow and then lock on the, the yeah bear it, was, hug, it was weird <laughs> warrior you know he's in his own planet sometimes so so but uh and then the chaos in the end with the all the stuff going on savage and finally that great shot with the scepter and i just thought like it was a cool freaking angle cool and it sets up a great program with macho and savage okay so i have and one pro- i have one problem with the scepter shot jules <laughs> why why didn't he blade well it's you know wwf in 1990 you know you gotta think about that yeah but hogan but hogan bleeds at wrestlemania 7 it's wrestlemania man <laughs> <laughs> and it's hogan but I, I think it's you know it would have been a better visual if he came up they showed him bloody from the from the shot yeah definitely definitely yeah that that's and the I, only thing i thought it lacked because the the other thing is that Warrior gets up pretty quickly and then runs to the back. Yeah, yeah. The, that's Warrior is probably their compromise, right? Like, yeah, you can still be strong yeah. and run out, and yeah, I get it. Okay, so so Slaughter wins the title. Gorilla and and Roddy are thinking like, oh, there had to have been a disqualification in this match. They're they're like just selling so hard that Slaughter is the most evil person in the history of wrestling, <laughs> which which was great. I think it made them look a little dumb, but it was still a really hard sell on Slaughter, so that was cool. And I remember watching this show, and at the end, when you know they're they're doing that little cliffhanger thing where you know Slaughter's I don't know he's gonna burn the American flag or whatever, and um, and it's like you feel this shift, right? You're like, okay, I know what this... Even as a kid, you know, what am I? Actually, I'm not a kid. I'm like, mm, I I guess I'm 14. So I I still am a a kind of a kid. But even at at the end of the show, I'm thinking like, okay, the shift has happened. It's going back to Hogan. That must mean Warrior was a failure. Like, I I really feel... I, I, I remember that feeling because there was like this shift where it was like, 
all about Hogan again. And I'm, I'm, I was fine because I'm, I'm I was a big Hogan guy, right? I liked Warrior too, but I, I definitely saw, you know, I remembered that year, that summer, 1990, where I was kind of like, eh, it's, this is okay, but it's not as good as I remember. You know, it's not as fun as I remember. But I do remember that shift going like, this thing is back, that you know, back in Hogan, and he's back in the driver's seat, and and poor Warrior failed. Like I clearly remember that. And uh, and yeah, at the end of that show, it's full steam ahead. Hogan's the guy again, and he's gonna go and he's gonna speak, <laughs> you know, to all. <laughs> he's gonna go to all these army bases and <laughs> yep. and, uh, and like that. I mean, that was really heavy handed, and it was you know Vince not you know maybe I don't know maybe at his worst. I, I don't know um, how people feel about that today, but like so much to it that you know Bob Costas decided to not work with them when it came to WrestleMania Seven because of it. But uh, but yeah, like that, that I just really remember like oh it's Hogan's time again and that must mean that Warrior failed. Well, yeah, I mean I, I, I didn't think that deeply about it. I just remember like because at the time I still had a few friends that was still watching this stuff with me, and you know the talk on the when we all hung out when we talked about wrestling was like oh yeah they're definitely doing Hogan Warrior too like mm-hmm. like we all just kind of assumed like Hogan's gonna beat Warrior this time around because you know that's and there's the two biggest stars right in the company. So you just feel like Hogan's going to get his definitely going to come back and beat, beat warriors. going to be a great match, blah, 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 blah. And, and I remember just being bummed out that it happened, that, that warrior lost. And then, and then right away, we just know like, right. Hogan wins the Royal rumble. He's going to begin. I mean, then we know winners of Royal rumble were automatically getting title shots at WrestleMania. It was two years later that became like a stipulation, but you just kind of figured, okay, it's going to be Hogan Slaughter at WrestleMania, and Hogan's winning the belt back, and of course that happened, and and uh, that's a match I would like to rewatch again. I haven't seen that match in a long time. Um, so, yeah, so uh, that that is you know that that's kind of it. And WrestleMania Seven is is at points a very fun show, and at points like an overly booked show with way too many matches. Um, yeah. But but yeah, maybe maybe we'll we'll talk about that show at another time but um so i wanted to kind of segue to the 2018 awards and mostly because um we we posted uh my you know fight game blog we we've been doing awards season posts for gosh i think it's now 11 years and it's kind of fun to look back at at that stuff but this year because of our our uh our fight game podcast facebook group I have access to you know a lot of folks who who wanted to to pitch in and, and write the award. So f- before we go on, I wanted to shout out, of course, the great Alan Forel, uh, Duin, who participated in all three awards. Thanks to Duin, Cadillac Don Cameron, he participated in the wrestling awards. Uh, Matt Prentice was in the boxing awards. Robert Silva in the boxing awards. Stefano. Suma, I hope I'm pronouncing his last name correctly. He participated in all three of the awards, um, and I found him. You know, I think he's a friend of somebody who who joined the group, and I'm glad that that he's a part of it. He's a really smart guy. Uh, Nick uh, Nick McMood, uh, also a big ROH fan. If you watched the last ROH pay per view and All In, he's like in the front row, like on the camera in, all day long. Uh, and Brady and Brady Childs, uh, who who participated in all three as well. So. 
Actually, no. Brady Charles did pro wrestling and MMA. Nick participated in all three. So I just want to say thanks to those guys. You can go to fightgameblog.com. The wrestling, MMA, and boxing awards are all up. I spent a lot of my New Year's Eve prepping those, uh, which made sure that I was not out in the craziness. But uh, we put a lot of time into that. So if you're interested in that stuff, um, on the pro wrestling side, Walter and Will Ospreay got the most love. Kenny Omega was third. Uh, so who would have been your wrestler of the year for 2018 if you if you voted? It, the man, Hiroshi Tanahashi. Come on now. This guy had a great year. People forget. Like, he had a great match with Okada for the title, my favorite match of the year. Not to spoil that, sorry. But, like, <laughs> um, he had, you know, a great G1, great G1 finals, Dakota Bushi, which everyone loves. Um, and he just was on fire. The old Tanahashi was back to what I thought. I thought that he had a great storyline um, this whole year. And that's my pick. That's my pick for the rest of the year. Okay, so what was your favorite show? Uh, Dominion. I think that was like just just a loaded show. Great matches. Uh, that show just flowed like it just felt like it was a long show. Like if you look at the hours, right? It was like four plus, right? But like it just I just remember we all watched it together. I remember how like how fast it went by, mm-hmm. even with that long match with Kenny Omega Okada, which is a freaking awesome match and. Um, that's that. So I think all in all, like when it goes like we're talking about a complete show. That, I mean, I, I don't think anyone anything tops that. And you already sort of spoiled your match of the year. Yeah, I mean that match. I mean, I just you know, I was. I know people were talking about. I mean, I was gonna pick Omega and Okada, but I just remember when I watched Tanahashi and Okada, just like that, that just the drama that they have together. You know, the, you know, the drama the. the it was just the crowd was just going nuts. Um, I liked what they used from their previous matches, and they, they would change it up with this one. Um, another brilliant performance by both men. I mean, Tanahashi, in my opinion, is one of my all one of the greatest of all time. I mean, he's up there with you know guys I I think are the greatest like Ric Flair and Jack Briscoe and and Kenta Kobashi and. Um, you know, the, the guys of that elite status um, when it comes to the in-ring and the, the complete performer. Um, so I just, just – it was just an amazing match, and I, I I hope it gets some love. You know, I don't think it's going to win the rest of the year all out, but uh, I think Okada and, and Omega is going to have that one locked up when it, when it comes to the Observer Awards. But I hope some people remember that. Go back and just, just watch that Okada-Tanahashi match and – and uh, you maybe have some second thoughts because it, it was definitely one that stayed with me all year. And uh, it's, it's, it's a hell of a match. I, I, I definitely I kind of want to rewatch it. And I was thinking about my, my picks. So. so the last two awards uh, are the Breakout Star and the Who's Next Award. And the difference between those is like in pro wrestling, a lot of times a guy is kind of a, a, a hot talent. Um, and at some point, they blossom into, you know, uh, a huge star. Uh, and, and so that's the breakout award. And the Who's Next award is more like, who's somebody on the scene who not a lot of people really are following, but 
if you know, if I were to to be a betting person, I would put some money on this person, you know, branching out and becoming something. So those are two differences in the last two awards. Who are your breakout star and who's your who's next? Breakout star. I'm trying to remember. I'm trying to think. Um, I remember who my. I know who my who's my, my who's next. Uh, my breakout star is probably going to be. I'm going to have to go with one of the young kids. Was it Umino or uh, you know what I'm talking about? Hey, Umino or from the young line. I think he's going to break out mm-hmm. and have a really good year. Um, I think it's we're thinking when you see the young boy step because there's going to be some open spots on the with a lot of these people leaving. So I think it's going to be open up some of these young kids to kind of come back and um, maybe under a new gimmick. Maybe he goes to ROH, gets a new look, comes back at the end of the year with a whole new perspective. So I think that. I think, it, I think he. I think the young lions have done. I think I'm surprised it's throwing the young lions in New Japan. Basically, they're going to be stepping up this year in 2019, and so we see who breaks through the bowl. I think Mino's definitely one of my favorites of that group. And then, so so I think what I remember is you had Jungle Boy as your breakout star. And then Uminu as your, like, who's next, like, who's next on the radar. But talk yeah. about Jungle Boy. We, I mean, we've talked about him on this podcast a few different times. But, I mean, the guy is, the guy kind of, you know, the tail end of 2019, I think he started to get noticed maybe even more than he thought because I started seeing his name around. And, and uh, I know he just posted on, I think it was on Instagram, that he just had his first show. He did a show in, uh, in New Jersey. And so he's he's actually you know, working out of the NorCal territory now. Yeah, you know, uh, <laughs> I mean, uh, I, I'm, I'm happy to see it because I, I think uh, Jungle Boy has, like I said, he has this unique charisma about this kid. This kid has this, this like, he probably doesn't even know it, but, like, I was just he just posted a clip on Instagram today, some footage from his uh, match in New Jersey, and, like, he's doing something on the outside, but, like, have you seen this clip on his uh, yeah. Instagram? I think, I think I saw it. Like, where he's kind of, like, looks at the fans. Like, he's in a crowd of people. They're all standing around him. And he did a move, and they're going crazy. And he kind of, like, gives them, like, a head nod and a little chest bump and a little, like, thank you. Like, kind of like a little wink. Like, <laughs> that's it, dude. That's charisma, man. I mean, he's not a big talker. He's not a good promo yet. Or, you know, I don't know if he is. He, just, he doesn't really talk at his promos. I would like to challenge him to talk and do a promo because I want to see what he got. But, um but like that stuff you can't teach that that connection with the crowd and i'm glad that he, you know he got this attention that he did from uh Joey Janela's show and and uh, cuz he he is a breakout star he's a he's a who's i think he's going to be lighting up the indies um the way things are going out the indies who knows he might be swooped up faster than you know what happened in the past with guys you know taking a long time to to get a good contract. So like with AEW, ROH, WWE, like, he, you know, he could be there sooner than sooner than later. And, uh, it's definitely well-deserved because, you know, I mean, I mean, if people don't know who Jungle Boy is, Jungle Boy is, a, you know, he is the son of Luke Perry for 902.0, but like, he's so much more than that. And I like that. He doesn't try to live off his dad's credentials. He wants to make a name for himself, do it his way. And, um, you know, I'm glad. I'm glad he doesn't. I'm glad he doesn't do that because because uh, uh, he he is proven that he he is on his own, like making this name for himself. And he's gonna he's gonna and people. I hope people can 
go and check out, you know, matches at APW if you're here locally. Um, it's going to suck because I think he's not going to be around as much, you know. Cause I, and it, to me, it's a good thing because I like seeing young talent go up. Marcus Mack, the promoter of APW, might be <laughs> you know, because as a promoter and he's going to be bummed out that one of his, you know, top guys are going to be be gone. But uh, that's just the name of the game on the independent wrestling scene. And uh, so I, I'm a, that's one of my favorite stories of 2019, man, is seeing Jungle Boy. And at the end of the 2019, man, I'm predicting that Jungle Boy is going to be either signed by a major company or just just signed. And he's going to be up there. You know, he has a PWG show coming up soon in January. He's going to kill it. And, and he's going to become a regular there. And then once that happens, boom, he's going to be all over United, not only the United States, but in Europe and who knows, Japan. So let's go Jungle Boy, man. Yeah, I, don't, I mean, he may have to uh, he may have to start asking for a little bit more vacation time for whatever his normal day to day is. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so just one, you know, one more time, I just wanted to shout out those awards. You know, we, we didn't really talk about the boxing or the MMA awards. Lots of Daniel Cormier love, obviously, uh, lots of Alexander Yusek, uh, uh, love on the boxing side, you know, the cruiserweight who's about to probably step up into the heavyweights and, 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 uh, had a, had a stellar year. So those, those awards are up there. Check them out. You know, let let us know what you think, and and you know, send send us your 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 versions of what you think the award should be. So let's talk about AEW All Elite Wrestling, which you know we've been talking about for uh, a little while already, but it wasn't a an officially done deal until January. Actually, it was New Year's Eve. You know, right when the clock struck twelve. They put up the uh, the um, being the elite video where all of them, you know, their 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 phones, the alarms came up, and finally, you know, for Cody and Matt and uh, and, and Nick, the uh, their screen said double or nothing, which is going to be their next uh, their sequel to All In, and then on Adam Page's phone, it had the All Elite Wrestling logo. So also that night. <laughs> At the exact same time, Wrestling Observer Radio went up live, and uh, Brian and Dave talked about the whole thing. So, uh, so I guess D- I guess Dave had to uh, had to wait until that news w- was broken in order for him to talk about it. Uh, and so, you know, it, it's exactly what we've been talking about, what we've thought about. You know, Tony Khan, who is the son of Shahid Khan. Uh, who's the owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars, and and Tony works with the Jaguars. He works with the uh, with the soccer team that they also own. Uh, he has his own analytics company. He's the, he's the kind of the guy behind it. Cody and Matt and Nick, they're all executives. Uh, Brandy is involved. Adam Page is in it. Um, I think today they announced um, who's Adam Cole's girlfriend, Britt Baker. Britt Baker, she signed today, um, and so. You know they're 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 gearing up and ready to go, and and there's nothing really you know to say yet because they they don't have a TV deal, but the conversations that were going on in our Facebook group were more along the lines of like, you know, who are they going to get? Like, what type of talent are they going to get? ROH has already swooped up on you know Bandito and PCO, and they have they have the the deals with uh, with Osprey and Juice and Zack Saber Jr. to to work there. They also work those guys also work for New Japan. You know, I think the the one of the main questions I have is, 
you know, from a talent perspective, you have, you know, these guys who were formerly in the Bullet Club, which is a, which is the faction that got over so well in New Japan. If they are not working New Japan or they have no relationship with New Japan, I think that's a big it's kind of a big deal in it. And not to say that it's a, a deal breaker for them, but, you know, that that's something that their fan base would be um they're they're really they're really comfortable with the idea that these guys you know would still work new new japan and stuff and if new japan decides that roh is the only way to go and they're not gonna you know not gonna have deals with these guys i think that's a little bit of a of a problem for them yeah i think new japan is a key to this starting off starting off uh i mean it's gonna start off hot because it's gonna be fresh and new and people are gonna their first tour is gonna definitely do really well double or nothing is gonna do really well um, I'm curious to see how they do coming back to the town. You know, it's almost like, you know, in a TV rating, right? They draw a big rating, but what's week three like? What's week four like? You know, how can you continue to keep building your audience? And, and Oh, yeah. So that's that's a lot of the questions. And, and how, how are they going to be able to run a touring company? Like, Just like, I mean, you know, I have, you know, friends with, within the WWE and and – like, and they always talk about the machine of the WWE, right? Yep. Like, how many people they have working on stuff? How many people is doing this? How many people is doing that? You know, I mean, these are and these are people who are just they're working there. They're not fans. They're just it's a job, right? Yep. That's their job. You know, yep. they're ordering, you know, material for the ropes or whatever. And like, how who are those people that they're gonna get to run the back end of the promotion? Yep. You know, that's gonna is it gonna be all. I mean, and Cody and Youngblood are going to have their handful, and you know it's a big, it's a big, big challenge. But God bless those guys for taking on a challenge, taking on a risk. You know, you have to respect people that don't play it safe. You know, and uh, and uh, and it's and it's no matter if you're not a fan of Cody and the Young Bucks or style wrestling, you have a big issue with it. Um, in the end, this is all good for pro wrestling. All good for. The, the talent, the young, the indie talent now have opportunities to get some really decent contracts instead of waiting like four or five or six or even longer to even get a break like this. So um, people are going to be, you know, looking for new talent and, and swooping them up as fast as they can because everyone's going to be competitive against each other. You know, WD's already shown signs that, hey, they're not going to mess around with this either. So they're swooping talent up. So, um it's uh it's a big deal. I think New Japan's a, it's a is is a big key because you know, let's be honest. You know, I know, I know. The deal with All In was about ROH. Can they draw ten thousand? You know, Cody said I take that challenge. But if you really look at it, it was like, you know, oh, you know, they had the Okada and everything. I mean, they already sold out before who was on the card, but like. You know, like it's 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 a big you know guys like Okada, those guys help a lot with the attendance. So we'll see how they'll do. And I, I'm I'm really I can't wait till all this thing kicks off. I can't wait to see their TV. I can't wait to see their their storylines to see what they have that they think can carry on and keep drawing for years to come. You know, because it's, it's tough. Yeah, I mean they don't have their TV deal quite yet, but it sounds like they have some confidence that they're going to be able to get that done. But what you said was sort of the back end of stuff. Um, that's exactly why they're not going to be really ready to go until October is because they have to do all of that stuff 
and get all of their ducks in a row because they are building a company. They're not just building a wrestling show. They're building a wrestling company. And exactly. That's, that's a much different thing. So, okay. <clears throat> I want to get your creative juices flowing here. I'm going to give you a little bit of, of, uh, of, 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 blank piece of paper so that you could create what you would do. I'm giving you Omega. I'm saying Omega is going to be a part of this. I don't, I mean, I would assume he is. How could he not be? But he, he obviously still has his, his new Japan stuff. He's still the champion. Um, I'm giving you Omega. I'm giving you Jericho. I'm saying that Jericho will be there day one. I don't know if that's going to happen either. Who knows? But I'm just saying that. So you have the Elite, you have Omega, you have Jericho, there are other guys on the indie scene, but if you're coming out hot, right out of the oven, day one, TV taping, Tuesday night, Tuesday night dynamite, I think is what they're going to call it or something like that, <laughs> and you're, you know, you're, all, you're, you're on TV, what is your hook for that first show? And it might be a rematch between the. It might be just a match between Young Bucks, and Omega, and Kota Ibushi. That's what I'm thinking. Maybe right off the bat, I think Kota might be involved in this. Elite. I can see Osprey beating him, in at the Dome. I can see Ibushi continuing on through New Japan to all this. You know, then he's gonna do double or nothing. Kota would do double or nothing. And I think he's going to be, I think he's going to sign his uh, big American contract with AEW. I think Cody is going to be a very big part of that puzzle. And I think a build to Cody versus Omega, you know, as one of their big matches is definitely going to happen. I think you got to keep the Golden Lovers together. You got to probably do a tag team feud between those Young Bucks and Golden Lovers. And then eventually split it up with where where Coda and Omega challenge each other, and then you have Co you have Cody Cody and and Jericho should feud I think right away. I think they can play off each other because you know right now we already seen the Omega and Jericho storyline in New Japan right from early this year. What's fresh and new? Jericho and Cody is, and I think you know both are strong on interviews and and uh, I think that I think those are the two programs I would go with. So I haven't thought about how you would book Double or Nothing yet, because from what I understand, that's probably going to be Memorial Day weekend, mm-hmm. and they've already have on the T-shirt. You know, there's there's you know there there's uh, information about it being in Vegas, so it's going to be in Vegas. But they they I think they want to do All in Two, and if I remember, All in One was Labor Day weekend. Mm-hmm. So if they do All in Two. Labor Day weekend, if it's in September, then maybe there's a month until TV. I kind of wonder if it would be smart to have all in two, because, you know, the the Omega Jericho storyline. All in two should be a three hour special on that TV. That, 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 would be, that would be great if it was. But, that yeah, that could be like their... I remember when I remember when Smack- or at least two hours. I remember when yeah. SmackDown was on UPN originally. 
Like they did a test show like six months before with uh, Rock and Triple H in the main event and and Shawn Michaels super kicked the Rock and, and helped Triple H win. That was like sort of like the here's the test show that we're going to do. They could definitely do that. But I'm thinking because to play off all in one, which was Jericho Omega, sort of the tease to the mm-hmm. to the cruise, I would have Jericho Omega for the title, have Jericho win and then Kenny's chasing whatever that, you know, however long until, you know, you want that to happen. Because I think Jericho is key, especially in the beginning. Um, if I'm whatever network and you're selling me on All Elite Wrestling, I go, okay, but can you get, can you deliver Jericho? Because Jericho has a built-in audience and he's got a WWE audience and he will he will he will help them get people to give them a chance who aren't necessarily overly familiar with the Bullet Club and the Elite and I would make sure that he's one of the top guys going into the the first week of TV now you know I I always think that you know the babyface chasing the heel is kind of like the way to, the way to go but you know whatever it is, and if he beats Omega to win that title, you could have Cody and Omega chasing Jericho, um, you know, as sort of like the baby faces and the elite. Because you know they did that whole thing, Alpha Club versus Bullet Club, and and you know Jericho's trying to, you know, maybe Jericho even creates a, a small faction or something with with guys who are you know maybe SCU sides with Jericho and they're you know whatever. But I, I do think that that would be a nice little hook to draw that initial group of fans, and then you obviously leave with a cliffhanger to come back for week two, and then you know I I hope I mean like the 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 piece of paper is sort of just like blank and endless, right? But I think that like that first. The first like three or four weeks is going to be so important for these guys, because if they can give you whatever it is that WWE isn't giving you, you may be able to keep a, a halfway decent audience. And and you know they gotta be they cannot be WWE light. I don't think they're going to be WWE light, and no. and they have they have to be different, and they have to be, you know, they have to be sort of like. You know, Vince McMahon said he's going to start listening to the fans, and then he just basically did the same version of Raw three weeks in a row. <laughs> they really do have to listen to the fans somewhat. Now, you're not going to, like, let the fans book your thing because you still got to be smarter than the fans, but you do give them a little bit of, of that, right, so that they feel a little bit more impassioned. You can't, you know, because there's, there's, a, there's a happy medium with fans these days. You got WWE who doesn't really give them what they want, and then they just, like, take over the show screaming for it. But then if you do give them what they want, then they think they're in control and that same thing could happen. So there's a, there's a fine line there with that stuff. Yeah. I wonder what uh, they got. I mean, you can't rush everything either. You can't just throw, you know, a mega, I I, kind of want, I I think maybe, maybe all in is a pay-per-view all in two is a pay-per-view. It's airs on Sunday, and the pilot, the first episode of live TV, airs on Tuesday, right? Tuesday night dynamite, right? What if like all in like you have a killer main event for all in too, 
and that should be the Young Bucks versus Omega and Ibushi. That could be maybe the finals of the tag team titles or something like that. Maybe you do something like that. Mm-hmm. And then the undercard of the of All In 2 will feature tournament matches, but not the finals. The finals will be the first night of TV, mm-hmm. which would be Jericho versus Cody. Jericho cheats, wins. Cody chases Jericho. You can't have Cody win the belt right away. That just looks like they're just, you know what I mean? That just looks, I mean, I just think that would be a bad thing. I think yeah. Co- Cody should win it eventually down the line, but I think you have, I think you build, you're right. You build the Jericho as a champion and Omega chase first. Jericho survives Cody. Then Ibushi challenges Jericho. Jericho survives Ibushi which now brings on Omega. And mm-hmm. Omega eventually beats Jericho, and then we'll see what else they have up their sleeve for the rest. That, that, you know, But that's just right now, off the top of my head, no white paper, black paper, no wrestling at the chase book <laughs> in my hand. Someone should send them some, uh, some, of the great, uh, some of the great books when it came to booking. Yeah, 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 yeah. Rest in peace, Larry Massick. Uh, but yeah, wrestling at the Chase book I would have next to me, and I would write all this. Stuff. I need to see the whole roster first, by the way, too. Uh, I need to see the whole. If I had the whole roster, I'd probably come up with some fun stuff. You know, I like a lot of people good, but that'd be fun to play with. You know, definitely. Yeah, totally. The AEW roster. Maybe we'll do that, and then. Future episodes. And, oh yeah. And, oh yeah. yeah. Before we get to quickly talking about Tokyo Dome, um, you know, there's not too much we can necessarily preview that hasn't been already spoken. It's going to be a great damn show. But uh, Big Dave did another run in on the podcast, and he told me to tell you that the- Miyahara versus Kai is that the name? Kai. Yep, Kai. Yeah. Was four and three quarter stars. Wow. I'm so jealous of this trip, man. <laughs> like not just from Big Dave, not just seeing what he's doing out there. And he's having a great time with Cody, his son, which is awesome. But like seeing other people that I know are there that travel to Japan and are going to all these multiple shows, it's just like just ah, oh, just wish I was there. You know, I wish I was there. And the, and the big goal, if, if big bucket list goal, is to go to Japan. And uh, hopefully we can drag you there. But I know yeah. you have responsibilities coming up. But your boys. But the heartbreak kid, Dave Rubio, he says he's going no matter if we're going or not. Wow. He, that's what he says. He says what this a, is it. This, what a flex. He says this is the year. He said this is the this is this is coming up. This is gonna, it has to happen or he'll never go. He says. So, I said that, and then we gotta get Dave Double D. We gotta get Double D Dave Dutra because we need so. Like I said in our little our DM group on Twitter, we need a responsible party there. We need someone. <laughs> to, budget our trip to uh know where we're going because <laughs> you know dave would you stay up for countless of hours <laughs> to figure all this stuff out. oh yeah oh yeah and make sure we had the greatest time dave's like dave has a great career in uh traveling, <laughs> traveling <laughs> to see the future <laughs> All right, so uh, Tokyo Dome is it's actually in from from when we're recording this. 22 and a half hours from now that when we're recording you myself the heartbreak kid we will be sitting in front of a television watching the preview or i'm sorry the the, the pre-show 
of uh, your brother, Jeff Cobb, uh, in, in the pre-show match uh, for the trios, the, the, the shot at the trios title. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so it's coming close. We are going to, uh, we're going to stay up the entire night and watch this show. Uh, I may, I may even get young Randall of all people is interested in coming. So he's like asking me about it. I'm like, just be ready, man. Like this is the real deal. This is like the real deal here. This is not, I, I, I told him, (laughs) I was like, Things starts at like 10 p.m. So um, we did uh, we did we did it last year. No no Dave Dutra this time, and obviously no Big Dave this time because he's he's at he's going to be there live. But uh, gosh, th- this show of like all the can't miss shows that I've ever looked at a, a card for. This is this is maybe the most can't miss of any show that I've ever looked at before you know the schedule of the matches yeah it's loaded loaded from top to bottom there's i don't think there's anything that's i'm not interested in seeing um nothing that stands out to me i mean it's it's gonna be be really really good i mean capped off by omega and tanahashi which that's the that's the that's the match i'm looking forward to the most i mean i'm not I, you talk a lot of people out here more ibushi osprey but i think tanahashi and uh Tanahashi and Omega is going to be one for the one for the books for sure. One for the ages. I think it's going to be a legendary match. Call it. Who who's who's going to win the strap? Or I mean, Tanahashi. You think he's going to win the strap? I think so. I mean, yeah, I think this fits that storyline of Tanahashi with that big comeback. This makes sense, and maybe it all depends on how Omega what Omega's future holds for the company. If they're gonna if he's going to stick with New Japan, and but uh, I just think. I just think Omega is going with uh, with Cody, the Young Bucks, and all eat because they like they've said many times they're going to stick together. Yeah. Him, so, so if if he wins, then we're probably seeing Madison Square Garden WrestleMania weekend. Your dream of Tanahashi in the main event. Yeah, and I hope it's against Okada. That would that would be so ridiculous. <laughs> I'm hoping that Kata wins the cup, the Japan Cup in March, and that's our Master Guard main event is uh, Tanahashi Okada, and I get to see. I mean, I've never seen Jack Briscoe and Dory Funk Jr. live. I've never seen Rick Steamboat, Ric Flair live. So this will be, you know, the next best thing to that, right? One of the legendary rivalries, you know, up there with uh, Masawa and Kobashi and Masawa and Kawada. I mean, this is this is one of the best in-ring rivalries of all time. Absolutely. Can you imagine, like, we get to see that live? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it will be, it will be crazy if that, if that is actually what happens. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so, in, uh, I guess I said, uh, yeah, I guess, it, 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 very soon, we, we will, we will, uh, we will be able to watch it. So, I don't, I, I would like to, you know, record something maybe on the weekend if you wanted to, but if not, you know, maybe we will break my rule already by saying we're not going to review shows <laughs> during the week. But I'm sure we'll we'll have something to say about this because not only will uh, Russell, Russell Kingdom have stuff coming out of it, but there will be stuff relating to um, 
to All Elite because they're going to be doing their rally uh, on Monday. And obviously, obviously New Year's Dash is going to be yep. the next day. So there will be news coming out of it. Even if we don't get to chat about it before we come back next week, I'm sure there will be still reason to bring it back up. So I'm getting my... Uh, I'm getting my stars ready because I'm I think this year I'm going to start logging the matches that that are, you know, four and a quarter stars or higher that in in, in my view so that uh sort of like how I logged all the movies that I watched this year and I gave them all ratings. Well, but, um, you're going to have a, a long list cuz I expect the match quality to go up being higher in 2019, so yeah, man, it's gonna be fun. So, uh, so yeah, so that kicks off the uh, 2019 season for us, and uh, and next week we will be back talking about the very first episode of Monday Night Raw. I'm pretty excited for that. So that'll be fun. Yeah, me too. And how, what's cool about the Tokyo Dome? Not just Jeff Cobb, the Tokyo Dome, which is freaking fantastic. But Jeff Cobb's team with Yuji Nagata. How cool is that, man? <laughs> so I that mean, I know, how, how many how heard. many Tokyo Dome how, how many Tokyo Domes? Uh, so let's see, is it twenty five years in a row or twenty six years in a row of of Nagata work in Tokyo Dome? I, I think it's I want to say it's twenty five or twenty six. Jesus. But I know you know El gets hurt and and uh, he can't be in the match, but kind of a. A little negative to a positive with which which Yuji Nagata in oh, there, yeah. you know. Oh, yeah. And I think it's just you know, I that's pretty cool. That's a really cool that's gonna be a special moment seeing, you know, the big Hawaiian Jeff Cobb come out with uh big you know, Yuji Nagata and David Finley. That's 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 gonna be a moment for sure. Do you think Cobb could roll his eyeballs up in the top of his head? Uh, I think he's gonna be smiling and smiling in the corner when he does that. And <laughs> God does all this stuff, so uh, I know I know Jeff's really happy, you know, teaming with Nagata, and uh, and uh, it's, I hope he gets. I'm, I'm sure they're gonna give him moments to shine. Because I was I, I, I was thinking, how cool would it be if they did like a double version of the of the eyeball thing, like with him and Jeff? That'd be awesome. <laughs> I like to. I, mean, I just want to see him toward the islands and pin someone in this match and and kind of go into Scotland because. It'd be nice to see them win it, really. But I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't think they're gonna win it. I'm trying, I'm trying to remember who's all in it, but it'd be, it'd be a nice surprise. And I think, you know what? Like, it's time for David Finley to step up, right? Starting to start, you know, starting to being just a quote unquote young boy out there still. I think mm-hmm. it's time for. I think it'd be good to have him as a six man tag champ and uh, and starting to start getting his role going. Mm-hmm. even higher because like i said there are gonna be some spots opening there's gonna be a few spots opening up and then it's time for the you know in-house to see the field instead of going out and finding signing guys you know new japan has so much talent that they can just fill in-house you know it's like a, a a baseball team that has not only a great major league team but that triple a farms stacked with guys just beating down the door you know yep yep it's going to be a crazy year, man, and we're going to be talking about it every week. And I know this was a super pro wrestling heavy edition of this show. Because of our backgrounds, it's going to happen from time to time. But don't worry, we will still talk about the biggest stuff going on in boxing and MMA as well. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so we'll be back next week uh, with a bunch of stuff. So for John, I am Double G. We'll see you when we see you. 
Peace out.